Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Metabolism and Menopause podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I am your host and CEO of Vitality OET. We are a women's nutrition, health, and fitness company that focuses predominantly on women's hormones, particularly as they start going through perimenopause and menopause. We know that so many women struggle in this time of their life with irritability, brain fog, night sweats, hot flashes, and of course, this sudden weight gain that comes around your middle that seemingly came out of absolutely nowhere despite you not changing anything. So now you go back to your old methods of dieting, whether that's cutting your calories, reducing your carb intake, doing a ton of cardio, but nothing is working, which leaves you feeling super frustrated, hopeless, and desperate. So you start trying all these extreme measures and it just leaves you feeling worse. But we know that your body is inherently different now than it was before, before you hit perimenopause and menopause. So our mission is to teach women about how their bodies change during this period of their life so you can finally reach those health and fitness goals, feel at home in your body again, live a life full of vitality, and really understand how to take care of this new body of yours. So. Today, what I want to talk about is cortisol and specifically the four different stages that we go through when our cortisol levels get high and then they dip down low and what that means for your body. Because we know there's so much information out there about cortisol. We know that during perimenopause and menopause, our stress tolerance decreases a lot. But before we even get into that, I just want to talk about cortisol in general. It's a really hot topic right now, and I want to explain all the ins and outs of it to the best of my abilities to help you understand better what the heck is going on. So we know cortisol gets a pretty bad rap. We talk about it a lot. We talk about how it derails your progress. We talk about all these things that it negatively influences, but it does have an important role and it is necessary to have adequate levels in our body. It's just when we have these chronically elevated levels where we really start to have issues. And again, I'm going to talk about all these different stages, what happens and where things kind of go sideways. So cortisol is a vital hormone. It kind of is the puppeteer master is the way I like to describe it because it literally controls and influences everything. So cortisol is a hormone produced in our adrenals and it's a catabolic hormone. And what that means is that it breaks down protein or muscle for energy. Um, most of our body's receptors do have cortisol receptors on them um, and it can affect a ton of things. So it can help regulate blood sugars. Um, metabolism, inflammation, salt and water balance, and thus fluid retention, blood pressure control. It also helps improve memory. So I don't know if you've ever been in like a very traumatic experience or a car crash or things like that. Like I remember being um, in an Uber one night and we actually, a kid in a Mustang cut in front of us. So we were going pretty fast um, and hit the kid like T-bone them because um, they turned left when they weren't supposed to. Luckily, everyone was okay, so don't worry. But I remember everything so vividly about that experience. I remember the sound of the cars hitting. I remember the pain of my face because my boyfriend at the time had his hand out on the back of the seat and my head went forward and smoked my forehead and eye socket on his elbow, which hurt so bad. Um, like, there was makeup on his arm <laughs> from where my face hit him. Like it was brutal. And I'm not the kind of person that wears a ton of makeup because I don't even know how to apply it properly. Um, I remember the sound. I remember the smell of like the smoke. I remember 
like, yeah, the noises, the colors, everything was just very, like, I can remember it. And it's because in an experience like that, cortisol spikes and it actually improves our memory. So we remember all of those things quite vividly. This is why like studying after you've done exercise, you actually retain more information because exercise increases your cortisol levels. So if you study afterwards, you will actually retain more information um, than if you hadn't exercised prior. This is something that I used a ton um, when I was studying in university, which is super interesting. Um, I would just go do like a little bit of cardio, do a quick little lift, nothing too crazy, just enough to get like some blood pumping and stuff like that and get my cortisol levels up a little bit. And then I would do way better on exams. Um, and I would actually work out prior to exams because my memory retention is going to be better, better recall. Uh, so fun fact. But as cortisol has all these different receptors, now we're getting back on track, all over in your body, unfortunately, we have four times the receptors for cortisol in our belly fat than anywhere else in our body in that, in that visceral fat. So as long as our cortisol levels stay really, really high, it's going to be really hard to get rid of that stubborn belly fat because if we keep pumping out cortisol, it just needs somewhere to go. So cortisol is going to fluctuate throughout the day. The ideal situation is that when you wake up in the morning, cortisol is high, and then it's going to decrease as the day goes down. And then before bed, it's the lowest. So you kind of get this curve coming downwards. Um, we have a pituitary gland in our body, in our brain, that helps determine how much cortisol is released. And if we have too much or too little, we will have negative side effects. So regulating that curve and really trying to capitalize on that as best as we can is going to improve your health markers in so many different ways. Um, so just for example, if you have too much cortisol at nighttime, that leads to insomnia. This is why a bedtime snack with carbohydrates is super helpful because carbohydrates will actually decrease your cortisol levels and increase your melatonin levels, which make it a lot easier for you to fall asleep and to stay asleep. So we want to decrease cortisol at nighttime. Otherwise, you will struggle with insomnia. If you have chronically high levels all the time, it is very likely that you will struggle with anxiety. If it is too low, so you produced too much for too long, and then now your body just can't keep up anymore and it's just slowed down, this can actually lead to fatigue and issues with thyroid levels as well. So cortisol is produced in times of stress and can really put the system into overdrive, which is a problem and can eventually lead to burnout. So for example, what's supposed to happen is what I like to call stage one, the alarm phase. And you have an event, cortisol goes up and then it comes down. That's what we want to happen. So this first phase alarm phase is characterized by high cortisol levels typically because you're overstimulated, you experienced something traumatic, um, you got scared, you almost fell, you know, like you kind of slip and your heart rate kind of jumps up. That's cortisol doing its thing. Um, also, in these times of like high stress, which are like momentary, um, they don't last forever, you feel super hyper-focused. You are go, 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 and you feel like a freaking boss. Like you can do anything. You're motivated. You're going to crush this project at work. Yes, you might feel like a little bit of stress, not too bad. A little bit of anxiety, maybe the jitters. Um, like when you get nervous before, like a play in high school, that kind of stuff. Um, and then you might have some minor GI issues, like a little bit of gas, maybe a little bit of bloating. You might have to go poop, things like that. But then it comes down. That's what we want. We want the spike. We want to come back down. Then we go into phase two, stage two. This is the wired and tired feeling. And this is something that a lot of people can relate to. And this is, again, um, typical with high cortisol levels. So this is where we actually start to see cortisol is just high and it just stays high. Um, and we start to experience energy crashes. We start having some blood sugar issues. We start to toss and turn and wake up at nighttime. 
you typically find yourself starting to become more irritable. You start getting more cravings because this is your body's natural response to stress. When we are stressed out, when our cortisol levels are high, our body is not recovering well enough. It's never getting that chance to relax and get into the out of that fight and flight mode. So when your body is just looking for quick fixes of energy to keep it going. So this is where things start to get like the cravings get quite bad. Like we're craving chips, we're craving chocolate, those quick hits, highly palatable foods just to get some energy in. Um, And then you might also get a second wind at nighttime. This is cortisol spiking. Remember, we want to have high cortisol in the level or in the morning, and then it starts to level down and come down at nighttime. If it starts to spike again, then you're going to have that second wind at nighttime. That's not supposed to happen. Like, yes, you can be a morning person or an evening person, but getting that second wind at nighttime is typically um, correlated to having higher cortisol levels in the evening, which is no bueno. We don't want that. So this is where cortisol is high, high, high. Um, And like, This is where like when you're testing, you're just high all the time. Then you start to slip into phase three. Actually, before I go there, with the fight or flight um, high cortisol levels, you typically are going to start having issues with digestion as well um, when you're in that wired and tired state. And this is because you're stuck in fight or flight. And when this happens, blood flow is going to go away from your gut and to your limbs because it's either trying to fight the bear or run away from the bear. That's like the primitive way I like to describe fight or flight. So then blood goes away from your gut. And when that goes away from your gut, your body can't contract the gut as well. Like your intestines, it's supposed to like contract and relax, contract and relax to help move food through your system. This isn't happening anymore. It's slowing down. So you're going to result in more bloating, more constipation, more gas, things like that. Um, Things are starting to accumulate. You can get inflammation. You can get leaky gut, all of these issues. Um, So having that higher cortisol levels does actually negatively impact a ton of issues um, if it's elevated all the time. Then we start slipping into phase three, which is resistance. So with resistance, this is where cortisol starts to test lower, or maybe it's in the normal range, but you went up and now your body just can't keep up anymore and cortisol levels are starting to decrease. So now we're finding that you're fatigued. Blood sugar issues really start to be apparent here. Sleep issues, super apparent. Digestion, really not great. Um, And then your sex drive also is like almost non-existent. Caffeine doesn't even do anything for you at this point. So if you're someone who drinks a bunch of caffeine and is like, oh, it doesn't really do anything for me. I just drink it out of habit now. Uh, It's probably not a great sign. Um, Again, your sex hormones really start to get affected here. Thyroid is going to take a hit from those like prior high cortisol levels. Um, and you're also going to start seeing weight gain and your recovery is going to be pretty poor. Um, it seems to take a lot longer to recover from workouts or stressful events, things like that. And then we start slipping into the exhaustion phase. This is low cortisol. You're feeling completely burnt out. Um, and you just can't deal with stress as well. Reactions aren't the best. Sometimes they'd be like, Ooh, I kind of overreacted to that. when you think back on it, um, you start to see like depression cravings, a ton of a rise in abdominal fat. Um, you can get dizzy upon standing. Blood sugar reg- regulation is pretty poor. Um, so you can see how like the symptoms kind of change depending on how high or low your cortisol levels are. And it's typically because you've been high for too long. So it's really important to understand why this is such an issue, particularly during perimenopause and onwards. And this is because our stress tolerance starts to decrease. When estrogen and progesterone go down, we can't handle as much stress. Our buffer decreases. So what that means is like before you may have been able to tolerate, let's say a nine out of 10 on a stress scale, before your cortisol levels start to stay 
elevated. Before you start to see blood sugar issues, irritability, it starts affecting your sleep, that kind of stuff. Um, and then again, if that cortisol level increases and we can't deal with it and buffer that, we're going to have more abdominal fat because we need somewhere for cortisol to go. We have four times the receptors in belly fat than anywhere else in our body. So with that, we know that since our buffer decreases, now what we're going to see is now we can only tolerate maybe a five out of 10. So before we could tolerate your boss being a jerk, tons of deadlines, financial stress, sick family, some grief, some trauma, um, not sleeping, not eating enough, doing a ton of exercise, all those things are stressful and will increase cortisol. Notice how I said eating less, cutting out carbs and doing a ton of exercise. Those are all stressors on our body. So now that estrogen decreases and progesterone decreases, now we can only handle a five out of 10. So now we can't handle all those things at once because now it's going to increase our belly fat because cortisol needs somewhere to go. So this is why understanding how to buffer cortisol is going to be so incredibly important for you and really understanding how that's going to affect your body. Um, so we're just a lot more sensitive to stress now. And so if we are dealing with um, like all these adrenal issues and cortisol has just been high for so long, you can see how it's going to have a ton of negative side effects. Um, there's going to be more inflammation, more insulin resistance, and our progesterone production is going to decrease because when our cortisol levels are high, it um, takes away the precursor to build and release progesterone in our body. So when our progesterone production decreases, and that's already happening during perimenopause, so you're going to see a more drastic drop in progesterone, which is going to lead to far more side effects, um, fluid retention and weight gain or weight loss resistance as well. And then when estrogen is down, we're also going to see an increase in inflammation because estrogen is really great at controlling inflammation in our body. Estrogen is also really important for shuttling blood sugars into our muscle cells. So when estrogen decreases, our insulin resistance is going to go up. And when cortisol is high, it's also constantly dumping sugar into our bloodstream because our body is in fight or flight, is trying to run away from the bear or fight the bear, and it needs energy to do that. So it's going to start breaking down muscle mass, putting in sugar into our um, putting sugar into our blood to try and deal with that, which is going to make us more insulin resistant, which is already happening when estrogen goes down. So again, you can see how these high cortisol levels really need to be taken into account and try and monitored and changed because cortisol literally controls everything. It controls your levels of testosterone, your estrogen, your progesterone. Um, it influences inflammation, insulin resistance, your gut health, so many things. And all those things are going to influence your ability to lose weight. So I know a lot of you guys are probably panicking and you're like, Steph, you're stressing me out more. My cortisol is going through the roof. You aren't helping me at all. Um, there are so many things that you can do to improve your cortisol levels. So one, we want cortisol levels to be higher in the morning. So what can we do for that? We want to make sure we're getting sunshine in our eyeballs early in the morning if we can, um, because we do have receptors in our eye to help with that. And sunshine helps with that. Um, also making sure you're not eating on, or drinking coffee on an empty stomach or fasting in the morning, because those things are going to bring cortisol up. What happens is with our cortisol levels, increasing carbohydrate intake is going to bring those cortisol levels down right away. So if you're fasting or you're not eating carbs in the morning, you're going to see that cortisol just stays elevated. And we don't want that. We want to start bringing that down and regulating that curve again. Um, sleep. Sleep is one of the biggest things for cortisol. Um, so going from six hours of sleep to seven to eight hours of sleep will make a huge difference, first of all. Um, but here's the thing, like we talked about that bedtime snack, 
when we have that carbohydrate before bed, it brings our cortisol down. It brings our sleepy hormone melatonin up so that we can actually have a better sleep. Um, you want to make sure that's a slow digesting carb at nighttime though. So not fruit that'll typically digest too quickly. So like having oatmeal with protein powder, for example, is a really great option. Um, meat, cheese, and crackers. I'm a big fan of having like a turkey pepperoni stick, um, with popcorn. Love that. But the oatmeal with protein powder is probably one of the best ones, or you can do some yogurt with protein powder mixed in and a little bit of granola as well is always great too. Protein balls, stuff like that always works. Um, and then the other thing to note is when you are constantly having poor sleep, it keeps our cortisol levels elevated. So then we're constantly never getting that recovery and allowing our body to recover and bring those cortisol levels down. So if you're not getting good night's sleep, cortisol levels stay super, super, super high all the time. So our bodies, again, just constantly saying that signal that we need food, we need quick fixes, we need the highly processed foods, highly palatable, all those things, and they'll get pretty intense. So it's not just that you can't control it or you don't have any control around food. It's your body is literally telling you that it needs food. So this is why making sure you're getting enough food can actually really help improve your cortisol levels for sleeping. This is one of the biggest things that we see in women in our program is once they start eating enough, having enough carbs, sleep is one of the first things that improve energy and cravings. So those are like the first three that people are like, holy crap, I haven't slept this good in years, um, which is amazing. The next one is learning to chill the F out. So decrease stressors to tap into your rest and digest portion of your nervous system. We are always so go, 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 go all the time. And this society just totally glorifies the burnout, the going crazy, never taking any time for yourself, just crushing it day after day after day. That is not healthy. That is not good. You are ruining your body and I know you're not happy. So like what we need to do is teach our body to go from this constant state of fight or flight all the time. And you might think that you'd handle your stress well. You're wrong. Like if you are someone who is go, 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 rushing to all these high intensity classes, crazy deadlines at work, you're always running your kids around, you're skipping meals, working through your lunch hour, eating on the go. You are constantly in fight or flight, but you just are used to it. You're like the frog boiling in water. You don't even realize what's happening because you're just, it's so part of your normal day to day, but your body is stressed. You're just not cluing into it. Um, so this is where we really need to focus on self-care. So this is stuff where like literally taking five to 10 minutes out of your day, just five to 10 minutes. I promise you, you can do this to just chill. This can be laying on the floor, feet up on the wall, Focus on deep breathing. That's going to force blood flow from your legs, from that fight or flight response back to your gut to help with digestion. But it also forces you to go into the rest and digest portion of your nervous system. We are also going to see that just like going for a super light walk. You're not walking to burn calories. This isn't a mall walk to try and get the best sale. This is you taking a leisurely relaxing walk. This is you laying down, taking and reading for five minutes, listening to a song, listening to a relaxing podcast, doing something for you to just freaking chill out for five to 10 minutes, because otherwise your body is just constantly go, 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 go. And this is why you get home. And as soon as you get the minute to relax, you're freaking starving and you have zero control over your body. This is why, because you're finally in that rest and digest. Your body's like, holy crap, we need to like load up on everything because we don't know where we're going to get an opportunity to relax again. Cause we're just constantly go, 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 go all of the time. And I know a lot of you are probably like, Steph, I can't change my lifestyle in terms of 
having these crazy deadlines at work and my kids being super busy with sport. I don't want to take away from them. I am trying to find alone time. So I'm staying up late before sleeping, all this kinds of stuff. And yes, there are a lot of things that are out of your control that you will not be able to decrease the stress around them. So you have to learn to counteract that through nutrition and lifestyle things. So this could be like making sure that you're eating enough food. Being in a low calorie state is stressful on your body. If you are having less than 1600 calories and this seems like your lifestyle, you are making it worse and you're making yourself fatter by eating less. And yes, it's calories in, calories out. I'm going to go into this whole thing eventually one of these episodes because there is so much to talk about when it comes to calories in, calories out. It's not just how much you exercise and how much you eat. It is so much more complicated than that. And your body will do things internally to try and make that balance. So even though you're eating less, it's actually going to make you burn less calories on the way out through a bunch of different mechanisms. So make sure that you're eating enough. Make sure you're having carbohydrates. And then the next one is changing your exercise routine. So exercise is going to stimulate the release of cortisol. That's what's supposed to happen. And higher intensity exercise is going to dramatically increase it. Um, So, and this is especially so if you're eating low carb and you're in a calorie deficit or eating low calorie, and if you're going through menopause. So if you're struggling with those things, Here's how you need to adjust your exercise. So I know a lot of us are like, no, cardio makes me feel so good. Um, The HIIT classes, I love them. Orange Theory, it's great. You are a cortisol junkie. You're an adrenaline junkie. No, you're not like a thrill seeker, but this is your way of getting thrill. It's the exact same physiological response. You just don't realize it. So you are chasing that high cortisol-like feeling because that's what you're used to. That's what your body knows and is familiar. So it wants to stay there. So learning to taper that down can be really tough. And I know a lot of you guys are like, well, Steph, I want to build muscle. How's that going to be possible if I'm not doing these things? So first of all, cardio sends the signal to your body that it needs to be more effective and efficient with calories. And guess what's really, really costly in calories? Muscle. Muscle burns a lot of calories at rest. So if you're constantly just doing cardio all the time, your body's actually going to break down muscle because it wants to become better at what it's doing. You're, it's adapting to the stimulus that you're sending it and the stimulus that you're sending it is that it needs to be better with calories. So it's going to break down muscle, which again, leaves you looking skinny fat and it's not what you want. And then you're like, well, if I'm not sweaty, I'm not getting a good workout. No, that's not a good indication of a workout. Just because you're not super sweaty at the end does not mean it wasn't a good workout. Here is how I would change your exercise routine to make sure that we are dealing with cortisol appropriately. Um, and how you should kind of do things to improve your muscle mass, your body composition, and not end up with that skinny fat look that everyone complains about. So one, when it comes to exercise, you need a pre-workout snack of carbohydrate and um, protein. The reason for this is when estrogen decreases, we have a reduced ability to access energy stores. So it's going to increase our cortisol even more. So we want to make sure that we're having like some fruit before can be really, really helpful. During your workout, you're going to lift heavy because when estrogen decreases, we have a reduced ability to build and maintain muscle. Our body becomes more catabolic, which I mentioned at the beginning. Cortisol also does this. It it makes it so that your body wants to break down muscle for energy when estrogen decreases and when cortisol is high. So we have a double whammy there. So to counteract this, we need to make sure that we're sending the right stimulus to our body and making sure that we're recovering enough in between 
to access those energy stores, which we have a hard time accessing when estrogen decreases. So what you're going to do is focus on getting strong. We want to maximize that muscle building signal. And no, you're not going to look like the Hulk. I have tried so many times. It is very, very, very hard. You have to be so incredibly disciplined. It's not going to happen by accident, I promise. So what I would do is do workouts. If you're doing three days a week, do three full body days. You are focusing on lifting heavy. So six to eight repetitions is great. If you feel like you can do more than 10 repetitions, up your weight, retire those little baby pink weights. You don't need them anymore. You're going to lift heavier. Then after you lift that weight, your eight times, you're going to sit. You're not going to jump. You're not going to skip. You're not going to pace. You are going to sit for two minutes. It is going to feel like the longest two minutes of your life. It is going to be incredibly tough. But then once those 10 minutes are up, you're going to try and lift that weight eight times again. So what this does, it allows you to recover properly since estrogen is down. It's going to give us an ability to not have cortisol keep spiking, 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 spiking and building up. It's going to keep it at a maintainable level. And it is going to send the signal to your body to build muscle, which is what we want. Um, then after your workout, you are going to have a post-workout snack or meal with protein or carbohydrate and carbohydrates in it. And the reason for this is one, when estrogen decreases, we have increased insulin resistance. But with exercise, we have GLUT4 doors that I like to call them that open up when we exercise that allow for blood sugars to get moved into muscle instead of fat. And it's also going to a restore the energy stores in your um, muscle, but it's also allowing your body to do that without the use of insulin. So it's a great way to improve insulin sensitivity, not to mention the more muscle you have, the more insulin sensitive you're going to be, which is going to be very important for dealing with your potential pre-diabetes, diabetes, insulin resistance, which is so prevalent in women once they hit perimenopause and menopause because of that drop in estrogen. Because like I mentioned before, estrogen is what's responsible for like taxiing blood sugar into the appropriate tissues. So this is a great time to have your carbohydrates without seeing a spike in your blood sugar, without seeing an increase in insulin resistance and really replenish those energy stores. And then protein is very important for recovery of muscle because muscle does break down in exercise and we want to build it back up. So that is everything on exercise there. So, and mitigating cortisol. And then again, after your workout, having that food is really important on bringing cortisol levels down because we know having carbohydrate is going to decrease cortisol levels. Exercise increases your cortisol levels. So eating post-exercise helps bring those cortisol levels down, especially if you're an evening exerciser. If you don't eat after your workouts appropriately, you're probably going to be up all night. The next thing to help with your cortisol levels is to avoid stimulants after 2 p.m. And this is something to realize that it's also in sodas. It's also in chocolate, like things like that. So it's not just having caffeine in the form of like coffee or tea. Um, but caffeine or stimulants are going to increase your cortisol levels. So if you have it later in the day, it is going to, again, affect your sleep. And we don't want that because we know if that happens, we're more likely to have crashes and cravings in the afternoons and during the day. And we're going to just eat more food in general. Um, and that can make you feel very frustrated and things like that. Um, and lastly, eat your carbs, you guys. Please, 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 please eat your carbs. Um, carbohydrates are going to lower your cortisol levels and help you keep a healthy thyroid. Um, there were studies that actually showed that people that were on a keto diet and it was controlled for um, calories, the, the group that had a lower carb intake actually had a reduced thyroid function. Um, so it's really important to be aware of that. 
And yes, we do have an increased insulin resistance with perimenopause and menopause, but just making sure that you are pairing your carbs appropriately with the right um, things is really important. So making sure that you're having your carbs with protein, so never having naked carbs. If you can, try and eat your protein and veggies at least half of what's on your plate first before having your carbs. Um, And then just making sure you're not drinking a ton of water around your meals as well, because that'll speed up the the digestion process, um, which can lead to blood sugar spikes and drops as well. So we always want to make sure we're having our carbs with something. And then walking after meals can also be helpful for, again, shuttling those blood sugars into muscle cells without having to use insulin. So I hope those are like very helpful tips. Um, but I think it's very, very important to take, take this message home with you that anything that helps regulate your cortisol curve is going to help improve your metabolism. So burning more calories at rest, it's going to improve your energy so that you're not reaching for like snacks and highly palatable foods. It's actually going to reduce your brain fog so you can make better decisions, um, improve concentration and memory. It's going to, again, decrease those cravings, reduce abdominal fat, because again, if cortisol is high, it needs somewhere to go. And we have five times the receptors in or four times the receptors in our belly fat than anywhere else in our body. Um, It's going to improve your sleep quality. It is going to help you build and maintain muscle mass because we know that that's already an issue during perimenopause and menopause and cortisol is going to break down muscle further. So we want to do what we can to control those levels. It can decrease anxiety because we know that chronically high levels of Cortisol is associated with higher levels of anxiety, and it's also going to help improve your hormone profile because if cortisol is very high, thyroid function starts to decrease, progesterone starts to decrease, estrogen gets negatively affected, testosterone gets negatively affected, insulin is going to go up. So it's going to affect your overall hormone profile in the best way possible. So I hope this made sense. I know it was a ton of information. I do have a guide that we made for this um, talk that I had done previously in a group training in our Facebook group. So if you do want a copy of that guide, it is in our Facebook group. Um, The link for that is in the show notes. And as always, you guys, if you have any questions, if you want a free consultation to figure out where you're going wrong, how many calories you should be eating, what your journey should look like. We always do that for free, um, and you can head to the website to book a call for that. Um, We are always more than happy to help you, and we just want to spread the word and do whatever we can to improve women's health. So I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye!